My name is Betsy, last name Benning, and I'm the owner of Walker's Pint. What do your customers call you? Betsy. Well, sometimes worse, but <laughs> hopefully they just call me Betsy. <laughs> Welcome to Walker's Pint. It's karaoke right now, so it's going to get a little loud. That's beautiful. I love it. It's a lively local lesbian bar in the Walker's Point neighborhood. It's right across from Fluid and Lacage in Milwaukee's longtime LGBTQ district near 2nd and National. Walker's Pint is the last remaining women's bar in Wisconsin. The next closest one is about 350 miles away in Bloomington, Indiana. There's not even one in Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, or Missouri. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, uh, when I first came out back in the, you know, like mid-90s, you had Fanny's, then you had Dish, you had the Nut Hut, um, and a couple other bars around. And then all of a sudden they were all kind of gone. And that's what, one of the reasons why I opened this one is we needed a spot. I was really surprised when the Lesbian Bar Project came out. It was really surprising to me that there was only 21 of us left. And and during COVID, some more may have even closed. So the but last number was 20, how many? 21. 21. So yeah. Walker's Planet is one of 21 in the whole country? Yeah. Wow. I'll pull up the Lesbian Bar Project for you right now, and you can check out the map. It's really crazy. Wow. The Lesbian Bar Project is both a documentary and a website that's keeping tabs on those 21 remaining women's bars. When thinking about why we need to preserve lesbian spaces, it really is about recognizing that a lesbian exists. And there's the really great pride in lesbian identity. You can see a map of the country showing where those 21 women's bars are, sparsely dotted on the map. More noticeable are huge swaths of land where there are no dots at all, including huge cities like San Francisco, L.A. and Chicago. Women's bars aren't easy. Even even when I was out, there was so many boys' bars in Milwaukee. Um, it was just, it's always been, we've always been way outnumbered bar-wise. How would, you, how would you describe your crowd and the community here that you've built? We are a women's bar, but we are open to everybody. I, you know, it was one of the reasons when we first opened that we had some issues with some people that worked here that they didn't really dig when the men came in. They wanted it just straight up women. And I'm like, that's just not how life is, you know? We can have our spot, but I want to be open to everybody and everyone should have a good time here. So that's what we just do. So now we get, you know, everybody, gay, straight, men, women, trans, bi, you know, all colors, religions, everything. And that's what I love about it. It's just like a big melting pot of people that just want to have a good time, you know? From Radio Milwaukee and the Wisconsin LGBTQ History Project, this is Be Seen. I'm Nate Immig. This episode of the podcast is dedicated to the women who shaped our queer spaces and culture in Wisconsin. Our guests today represent two generations of women and two generations of rapid political change. Be Seen co-host Michael Takash introduces us to Flash and Legs. So Flash Gorski has been part of the Milwaukee queer scene going way back. I mean, back to like the gay liberation front days of the early 1970s and has tremendous perspective on the intergenerational dynamics of women's bars at that time, which were really quite a culture clash of old school expectations and new feminism and then Diane Gregory, a.k.a. Legs, came on the scene a bit later um, and has a totally different experience um, coming into 
a scene that was much more integrated, where men and women were together and they shared spaces and performed together on stages and really felt like one big family together rather than having separate men's and women's bars. And I got to say, when we were talking to uh, Marianne Flash Gorski, she... She had some games. She was not only um, just a funny interview, but she told me she shared a couple of pickup lines, which uh, which were great. We're, we're going to hear those a little bit later on. But uh, it was really interesting to hear their their different perspectives of kind of the importance of the women's bar in, in our culture because they were pretty different. Well, and I think it goes to show that things changed very fast in their lifetimes and things are changing equally fast in our lifetimes. And since 2008, something like 38 to 40 percent of the gay bars in America have closed, including these women's bars we speak of earlier. So I think that the important thing today upon listening to this podcast is to pause and reflect, where do we want to go and where do we want to wind up before we get there? Let's start with Flash. My name is Marianne Gorski. Uh, some people call me Flash. Flash identifies as bisexual. I met her at our studios in Walker's Point. She's she's short, gray hair, and walks with a cane. But she's she's quick. Flash Gorski is my stand-up comedy name. How did you get that <laughs> name stage Flash? Stage. Yeah, how did you get Flash? Well, back in the day, <laughs> I had uh, I, there was a brief period where I had uh, accidentally dyed my hair mercurochrome red. I looked like the... Demon Spawn of Lucille Ball and David Bowie, <laughs> and that was pretty flashy. And I had bought um, a pink aluminum jacket at the same time. This is glam days, and um, my friend Spike the Dyke started calling me Flash. <laughs> but now, you know, now I'm I'm old, and so it's it's kind of crazy. You know, I go to Mod Pizza, and they they call my name and Flash, and I come wobbling up, you know, maybe with a cane, <laughs> laugh. I love it. I, and whether, whether, whether or not you're fast on your feet, it sounds like you're still flash at heart. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this episode's all about the, the women's bars and lesbian bars that uh, used to be much more abundant in Milwaukee. So uh, what was your first time at a lesbian bar, women's bar? What were your expectations and how did that match up with the realities? My first gay bar was uh, 1000 East, which was a very classy little piano bar on Wheel and North. And my friends there said, you know, you should really, you should go up to Second Street. You should go to the Castaways and and uh, maybe the Nightbeat. So we got in a cab and we asked to go to the Castaways and the it was me and a girlfriend and, and the guy said, gee, are you sure you want to go there? It's, you know, why not? And he said, well, it's all men. And we looked at each other and giggled and, and said, oh, cool. We're going to meet a lot of guys tonight. That's great. <laughs> and he said, no, I don't think you understand. And they, we said, no, we don't think you understand. We really want to meet some guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that went back and forth for a minute there. And yeah. Then you got there. What happened? Yeah. So we finally got to the castaways and, and I was scared. I was a little nervous. I didn't know what to do. And, and, um. Uh, we were meeting a bunch of our guy friends there, and my friend Nick said, um, well, what you're going to do is you're going to find the prettiest girl in the room, march right up to her, and ask her to dance. I said, oh, wow. All right, I'll give that a try. So I looked around the room, and I marched up to this gorgeous brunette, and I said, hello, would you like to dance? 
And she said, no, I don't dance, but thank you very much for asking. And then I went back, and the guys were splitting their guts because I had asked Miss Gay Wisconsin to dance. <laughs> she was the prettiest girl in the bar. <laughs> and then, um, then, uh, then one of my women friends said, well, if you want to see what this stuff is all about, we got to go across the street to the Night Beat. So the Night Beat was what they used to call a diesel bar. Diesel Dykes, uh, stereotype of the very butch lesbian. And um, it was interesting. I had never been in a bar like that with all women. Um, shooting pool, drinking, having a great time. Flirting like crazy. My friends and I were, you know, young. So we were new meat. <laughs> <laughs> Some things have no gender. <laughs> right. And... Um, I remember one uh, one salty old dyke that came up to me and grabbed my hand and made a little circle in the palm of my hand with her finger and said, you've had the rest, baby, now have the best. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right. And the night beat was, a, was a, an old-fashioned bar, you know, an old-fashioned lesbian bar where um, uh, the older women were very, you know, very, it was very strict about roles about being more masculine or more feminine, butch or femme, you could get into trouble if you didn't declare properly. And uh, that always confused me because my, my the, w- the women I hung out with were feminists and were trying to get past that, you know, one of us has to dress like a man and one of us has to dress like a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, we were trying to get past all that, so... The older generation did not trust us. <laughs> they did not understand. Um, I was in Toronto once, and um, and I got into a little, you know, a little, little misunderstanding there because I was sitting with a bunch of women I had just met. A cute girl walked in. I said, "Ooh, I'd like to meet her." They said, "Well, that's Marie. She's femme." And I said, "Oh, okay." And they looked confused, and then they said, oh, okay. So then someone else came in, and I said, ooh, she's even better. I said, believe it or not, she's butch. <laughs> and then and then they got very angry, and one of the, one of the a, a dyke from Scotland pulled me off into the vestibule and said, you have to make up your mind. You can't be here, and you, can't, you have to decide. Are you butch or are you femme? Wow, okay. Well, so it was a pretty rigid line, huh? Very rigid line. Let me uh, let me ask you. I've heard you say the word "dyke" a few times. What's your relationship with that word um, now? Uh, is it kind of a reclaimed thing, or is it just like do you, do you see it as a, an offensive word at all? I don't see it as an offensive word. I haven't really heard it used offensively. So, except a couple of instances where you know there was an actual there was actual trouble, you know, from straight guys hassling us. Yeah, we kind of reclaimed it. You know, back in the seventies, one of those words that other people try to make dirty, and so by claiming it, using it on our own, we redeem it, and we have fun with it. We have more fun with it. That's something you'll hear Flash say a lot. We had fun with it. Fun is a word she uses a lot to describe her years of activism in the early nineteen seventies. Flash was both a feminist and a queer activist on the UW Milwaukee campus. I was affected by the fact that I was in college during the revolution and 
I looked at my transcripts a while ago. What happened? Oh, that was this, that was the year we we, um, we sat in at the Union and closed the campus. That's where that sea came from. When the U.S. started doing flights over Cambodia, the students at UWM occupied the Union. We took part in some parades. We were in an anti-Labor Day parade with Vietnam veterans against the war. That parade she's talking about was truly historic for Wisconsin. It was the very first LGBTQ pride expression, our very first parade of sorts. We had a friend Nick's Nick's mother's car, which (laughs) overheated due to the drag queen sitting on top. Uh, And uh, so I ended up having to push the car down Wisconsin Avenue (laughs) with with, uh, Chucky Betts and a couple other people in drag waving at the sailors on top. Chucky Betts is an important person to know here and a good friend of Flash and her crew. Actually, if you look at the artwork for this podcast, you can see Chucky Betts on the very day we're talking about right now. He's in full drag, radical drag at the time, with ridiculously long lashes, about foot-long earrings, sitting on the hood of a car. That picture was taken on that historic day in 1971. We had a lot of fun. Let me ask you about those radical queens. What what was this? <laughs> Who were the radical queens? Chucky Betts, definitely Jerry Driva. I share the same birthday with Jerry. He was an artist. Uh, he was he was art. He, he, he was art himself. What was the radical part? Um, you know, they, we had the regular drag queens like Jamie and BJ and, and, and so on. But then we had radical drag where the boys did not necessarily shave before they put on their makeup, you know, and, and uh, they weren't trying to look like women. They were trying to look like radical boys. During our conversation, I asked Flash about a particular quote of Chucky Betts. This quote came up in Michael's research for the History Project, and this this is a direct quote, I promise. I guess Chucky Betts here says that that we weren't trying to be women, we were trying to scare the fuck out of straight people. Thank you, Chucky. Thank you, Chucky. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, exactly. I think Chucky probably remembers getting on the number 30 bus with one of our friends who was pretty radical, and this would have been 68, 69, and our, you know, our friend got on the bus, crowded number 30 bus, yelling, uh, I'm gay and I'm proud. <laughs> and people were like, what is going on here? And we were giggling and laughing because nobody did that stuff. But we had, we had our, our, our folks were trying to be a little bit more radical. You know, we were lucky that we came up in the times that we did. We came up in a very fortunate time. It was a very, it's a wonderful time to experiment, to do a lot of gender fucking, to um, to just play with the straight people instead of hide from the straight people all the time. Uh, So we did all right. Coming up after the break, we'll meet Legs. She represents the next generation of women in Milwaukee, the generation right after Flashes. 
She'll share how the scene changed and evolved after that first Pride demonstration. And before the end of this episode, we'll check back in with Betsy, owner of Walker's Pint, on the future of women's spaces. That's next on Be Seen. Support for 88.9 Radio Milwaukee comes from your membership and Alverno College, which offers a range of professional development opportunities for women and men, from certificates to graduate degrees. More information at alverno.edu slash adult learning. After our interview with Flash, it was time to welcome our next guest, Diane Gregory, a.k.a. Legs. We ran into each other in the Radio Milwaukee lobby as Flash was leaving and Legs was coming. So... I'm a little older than legs, so. I... <laughs> so you're, just, you're shift passing in the night. You just made yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always hurt. But, but we, I mean, we're, we're, we're good. We're... <laughs> I saw the hug. I saw the hug. Yes. You come see me perform sometime. Get me a gig. They hug once more, and we head up into the recording studio. You just give me a one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. To learn more about that next generation of women. Hi. My name's Diane Gregory. Diane is wearing a pantsuit today, fitting for her name, Legs. And she's got a colorful necklace and a short gray haircut. And she's tall. So, Diane Gregory. Michael here has your name as Diane Legs Gregory. I got to know how you got that name. Oh, gosh. Since I was (laughs) eight years old, I was a dancer. And um, friends of mine in high school saw me tap dance. And my last name, Gregory was Greg's, and then I turned into Legs. So from about ah, seventh grade on, I've been called Legs. Great. Do you still tap dance today? I can. I have been asked to, but yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) If the occasion arose, you could could. take care of that. I could. I could my shoes out. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of performances did you do at these, when you say, you know, these shows that you did? What what, what did that look like? Well, in the beginning, when we used to do the factory, at the factory with Tiger Rose and Mama Ray... So was it a drag show or yeah, was, it was it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Me and my friend Pat Carney were the only women. Okay. But I was, as Tiger Rose said, I had no tits in a tight box. I was very young. <laughs> okay. I was really young and I looked like a little boy. You know, <laughs> okay. Like, she identified as gay then and still does. Learning the lingo, I found out there were all these different types of people in the community that I just joined. You know, there were fags, drag queens, femme, lesbian, dyke, butch, leathermen, fag hags. And we were all together, you know, which was pretty neat. But, yeah, I never, I, I was always gay. So yeah. is there a distinction between lesbian and gay woman in your mind? No. Legs lived out and proud in her younger years and said she didn't face much pushback or homophobia. But that changed when she enlisted in the Air Force in the mid-1970s. Yeah, I ended up um, mostly, as usual, hanging out with the guys because the women, they were all chasing after the guys. In fact, a woman um, actually turned me in and they came after me because um, I was stationed in Chinook, Illinois. And there was, um, all they had were country western bars. So we found a disco bar, happened to be gay. A group of us went, but she turned me in. Wow. And I ended up being stationed out in San Diego or Travis, and they ended up coming to find me and asking questions. Wow. About what I was doing in the gay bar. And I said, you know, I just, well, I was there because a bunch of us went. It was disco music. I didn't, couldn't. And anyway, um, 
then I had a picture of this guy in my wallet. And I said, well, this is my boyfriend. What are you talking about? So that was the first time I had to hide who I was. Wow. Yeah. And what year is this, roughly? Uh, probably, let's see, 75, probably 77. So four years. Four yeah. years in the Air Force, and then yeah. you were out right after that? Yeah. <laughs> Happy to be out of the military, free of having to live a closeted life, Legs was out. She had a lot of friends in town and always had a way of finding the party. A night out for me in the heyday, I'd start at the beer garden, you know, have a couple drinks, and then go to Lost and Found, dance a little bit. Where's Lost and Found? Uh, I was on 27th in Wisconsin. Okay. So I'm making my way downtown. I go to Let It Shade. Where was that? Let It Shade was like right, it was on Water Street, and then downtown Let It Shade, then I go to the Sugar Shack, which was a triangle. And then I'd always end the night at the factory because everybody ended up at the factory. And where was the factory? On Broadway. Do you know what's there now? Oh my gosh, the Cabot Theater, the Skylight Theater, the theater. Oh, yes. I mean, the building's still there. The Sensen sign is still on the side of it. That was the factory. So you said it was it had that community feel. Um, yeah. What was the what was the atmosphere like? I guess d- dig into that community feel a little bit more. Did it feel like people kind of had each other's backs, or was it, you know, what was the just the atmosphere like? Well, in the beginning, I mean, shoot, I was in my twenties, so you know, I just knew I was somewhere where I belonged. I really the community kind of feel. Well, it was knowing that any bar you would go to, you would find somebody you knew. You know, it was like any place you went. Which was really neat, you know. You get to know a bartender here, or, but I think the community feel, unfortunately, really came into being with AIDS. Mm-hmm. That is when it didn't matter who you were; we all came together. That's when I really felt that. And as a, you know, obviously, well, I don't, maybe not obviously, but um, AIDS, the impact on men was different than women in in the eighties um, and today, and and. And beyond, so I guess it's just interesting to hear that from your perspective as a woman that you, that that you you felt the community come together even if it wasn't affecting women as as much. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because we were losing our friends, you know. Um, I mean, I I I went to more mixed bars, you know. I did. I mean, I went to my women's bars, but I also hung out at the mixed bars, whether it was M and M or the Factory, which was mixed. And I also did shows. So the shows ended up being like benefits, right? And then next thing you know, everybody came to the shows. Everybody got involved. As far as like kind of the separation between between men and women, um, you mentioned that some bars were mixed and some were women's only. Um, what would you say was kind of the importance of that women's only space for you personally? Well, there weren't any men there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a plus, right? <laughs> yeah, so right off the bat. Well, it was a lot quieter. Um, <laughs> I'd imagine. Hopefully, we'd meet somebody. Um, I don't know. It was like a comfort place. It was comforting. Having these choices for women's bars gave female and female-identifying folks a, a chance to not only meet each other socially, but also build an active and tightly knit community across generations. Flash and legs, even though they just missed each other in terms of nightlife, they experienced vastly different culture in only about a decade's time. I remember when I first came out, I saw women that um, kind of were scary to me. Um, they taped down their breasts. I think I was right at the end of that. And also, like the older women, they kind of held court. It was almost like, to me, 
Everybody um, kind of sat around them listening. You know, it was kind of neat. Do you remember hearing anything from them about, you know, their experience with gender roles or, you know, their experience coming out? Was there any knowledge passed on? I, I think most, a lot from the older women that, you know, many of them were leading a secret life. Like, I didn't know that people, like some of them were married, but yet they still had a girlfriend and they'd be out like le leading two lives. I thought that was interesting. Um, I just remember being nurtured by by the women, by not all of them, but the ones that, um, that mattered. And they, between them and the drag queens, I think they really kind of helped form me in a little bit. Learning from the generation that went before you, it's a timeless lesson. LGBTQ or straight, whatever your gender, and it's exactly why we're doing this podcast. Back at Walker's Pint, it's still karaoke night. Okay, uh, and uh, you have to sing, remember? We made that deal. <laughs> I don't know if we have a deal. I don't know. Uh, I feel my whole head turning red. Oh my God. Can you see it? I can, I can feel my whole head turning red right now again. Just thinking of it, it gives me a little anxiety. And if you ask Betsy about the future of the pint as one of only 21 women's bars left in the country, you hear a little anxiety in her voice too, but it's overshadowed by optimism. What's your hope for the future of Walker's Pint and the future of you know the scene in Milwaukee? It really, it all depends on the customers where this place goes, you know? Um, if, if people still want this place around, and they come out and support it, then it's here. Yeah, I, I, it's it's so hard to say and, and figure out the future. It really depends on the customers and what they're looking for and, and what they want. These bars are dependent on the specific group of people. Yeah. You know? yeah, for sure. So really, it's kind of up to the crowd. But if the crowd shows up, whoever that is and whatever the balance is on the LGBTQ spectrum, Betsy says the pint will make it. And all she wants is to make sure a place like this continues to exist, where she can kiss her wife, have a beer, and not think twice. That level of comfort, sadly, is not a universal experience, even in 2022. With so-called don't-say-gay legislation picking up steam and passing in states like Florida, many in the LGBTQ community, like Betsy, are concerned for the future of marriage equality and erasure in education. People are losing their damn minds. I just don't get it. You know what? I grew up watching straight shows my whole life. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm married to a woman. Like, what? what is the problem here? You know, like, oh, I can't even. It's so ridiculous. It's upsetting. It's sad. It's, it makes me angry. I don't get why people are so fixated on this. It, it, like, don't you have better things to do? Go, go take a trip somewhere with your family and enjoy your family instead of focusing on who I'm going home with, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's why that's why we're doing this. That's why we want to talk about the history first is because it's important for our current generation and for people who might be hearing this 100 years from now and hear this conversation, which people will. You think about that. People hear, people are going to hear this later. And... <laughs> no, they're going to look back and think about how cool it was to be in this moment, right? And, and um yeah, it's, it's, it's important that we remember where we've been to appreciate where we are. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, we've come a long way, but it's, I mean, there's still so much. But we can be hopeful. <laughs> I, yes. I hope we can be hopeful, right? Yes. Um, we've come a long way, and I, I got to <laughs> think about, I gotta think about how uh, important 
a place like this has been to Milwaukee. And I just, as, as, a, as a person who lives here and a person who's been all around here and during the parade, just want to thank you for all you've done for this community and for keeping this place going. And I'm sure it took some personal sacrifice on your end. A little bit, but that's okay. It was well, worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. Betsy said it. And interestingly, so did Bob Schmidt longtime owner of the M&M Club, which is another iconic Wisconsin LGBTQ bar. We met him in episode two, and if you missed it, go take a listen. We cover how Wisconsin was the first state in the country to create protections for LGBTQ people 40 years ago in 1982. Thank you to our guests, Marianne Flash Gorski and Diane Legs Gregory, two generations of Milwaukee's lesbian and bisexual history. And thank you to Betsy Benning, owner of Walker's Pint, Wisconsin's only women's bar. Coming up on episode five of Be Seen, we've got one more stop on our night out. We're visiting This Is It, the state's oldest, longest running gay bar. Co-owner George Schneider talks about taking over the bar from its original family of owners and how he has adapted with the times to keep customers coming in. And Michael recounts his conversations with the original owner, June Brem, who opened the bar in the early 60s. I'm Nate Imig, and if you haven't listened to episodes one through three, do it now, and I'll talk to you next time on Be Seen. Be Seen is hosted by me, Nate Imig, and Michael Takash. Our producer and audio engineer is Kenny Perez, with additional support from Salam Fatayer. Marketing on 88.9 is led by Sarah Lahr, our logo and branding by Aaron Bagata, social media by Dan Reiner, and community engagement by Maddie Reardon. Dory Zori is 88.9's program director, and Danae Davis is 88.9's interim executive director. Thanks most of all to our members for making this and all content on Radio Milwaukee possible. This is Be Seen from Radio Milwaukee and the Wisconsin LGBTQ History Project. <laughs>